Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. A Christian guy named Bill saw an ad online for a Christian horse. So he went to check it out. The horse's owner said, it's easy to ride him. Just say praise the Lord to make him go and amen to make him stop. Bill got on the horse and said, praise the Lord. And sure enough, the horse started to walk. Praise the Lord, he said again, and the horse began to trot. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, he yelled, and the horse broke into a gallop. Bill was enjoying his ride so much that he almost didn't notice the cliff. He and the horse were about to go over. Bill shouted, amen, at the top of his lungs, and the horse stopped right at the edge of the cliff. Relieved, Bill said, phew, praise the Lord. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's such a burden to get a joke every week from the front. It's just, you just don't know if it's going to land or not. (laughs) That's good. Hey, this morning... For a few minutes, I want to speak to you about waiting on God. Waiting on God. I don't know what kind of week you've had this week, whether you've had the best week of your life or a challenging week, but this morning I just want you to know that God knows where you're at. Do you know that? He knows exactly where you're at. And not just that, He's not surprised by where you're at, He's not shocked by where you're at, He's not overwhelmed by the place you're at. He knows where you're at. And the Bible tells us that he goes before us. It says that he surrounds us like a shield. He follows us. His love follows after us. And as humans, I think sometimes we're shocked at the place we end up at. But thank you, Jesus, that he goes before us. And this morning, I want to speak to you about the importance of being people who learn the art of waiting on God. You know, when you go to Macca's or somewhere like that and you go through drive through and you hear the dreaded request, can you please go wait in the waiting bay? And you just go, no! Anyone have that experience? Yeah, yeah, just be honest. Anyone never had that experience? Okay, we'll probably don't eat Maccas, but probably a good thing. They have these waiting bays, and basically if your food isn't going to be ready in an allocated time, they make you go and wait. And then you sit there waiting, and, and you could be there for 20 seconds, 30 seconds, two minutes, but no matter how long you're there, it feels like a long time. It feels like I'm here, this is fast food, it should be fast Why am I waiting two minutes for my meal? Last night, Charlie and I were watching a TV show and it was was Gogglebox. Anyone seen Gogglebox? But it was Gogglebox UK. Yeah. Which is basically the, it's, it's just English people in their lounge room. We've got some English people here in our church. We love you. My father in law is English. I can't understand what they say on that show. 
So if you don't know how the show works, it's literally um, a couple will sit in their lounge room and they, they will watch the show and then you'll see their reaction to the show and they'll commentate on what's happening on the show. And it sounds kind of weird, but it kind of works. I don't understand what these Northern English people are trying to say to the point where I turn to my wife continually and I'll say, I don't know what they just said, much to her enjoyment because I guess you understand. I had put subtitles up to listen to the English <laughs> Gogglebox UK. <laughs> And one of the shows last night that they had, they had on was a 1970s Christmas cooking show. And I can't remember what it was called, but there was this lady and she was making Christmas cake and she was very angry. What was the show called? Anyway, I'm sure if I said the name, some people here might know it. But, oh, her name was Franny or Fanny <laughs> or something. Yeah, okay. Um, and basically... <clears throat> <laughs> this old, old cooking show making Christmas cake and I was watching it and I just thought she's taking so long to make this cake and then on the flip side they put Nigella on they flipped to Nigella the, the cook who you know anyway and, um, and her cooking show was get some sauce out of a tin in the cupboard and pour it through pasta and then mix it through, literally, this is what it was, and now it's delicious, and that was it. And it was like this long process with Franny, this short process with Nigella, and 1970s versus 2020s, a bit of the mentality was back then you had to work a little bit harder maybe. If you go back 100 years, or 200 years, it's getting fire to cook on the, you know, cook on the stove. It's, there's no electricity. It's, we live in this generation now where everything is so instantaneous. And what happens is we translate that without meaning to, to us and God. We want God to do it now. And if God says, go wait in the takeaway waiting bay, we can often get very upset with God. God, I need my healing. Go wait in the waiting bay. Where are you, God? You've abandoned me. God, I need a spouse. Go wait in the waiting bay. Where is my spouse? I'm getting old. That was my prayer. I got married older. Where are you, God, in the midst of the wait? But you have to understand that God is in the wait. In Micah chapter 7, verse 7, it says this. It says, But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. The writer here makes a decision. As for me, I will wait on the Lord. He is the God of my salvation and he will hear me. I just think it's such a great declaration for our heart to learn the art form, and I use that word intentionally, on waiting on God. Again, another example is this. If you are an organised person, you like schedules, you like a plan, that type of person can also have trouble waiting on God. 
And you see the outworking in things like church because the worship goes for five minutes longer than what it's meant to. And that personality struggles because it's a little bit different. It should be inside the box. And what happens in life is we put God inside boxes. You can move in my, and speak to me in my quiet time, but after my quiet time, it's this time for me to listen to something else. God, you can, you can move, and when I pray for the person, you can do a miracle in that moment, but what happens if he wants to do the miracle in a different moment? Do you realise that most of Jesus' miracles that we read happen when he was inconvenienced? That's when he was going somewhere, he had a timetable, he had a mission, and someone said, wait, Jesus, stop. You see, God works in the inconvenience. Please get this with me. We want everything to be so nicely presented and in our way of, and in our our expectation set. He says, wait, wait, miracles happen in the annoyance. Miracles happen in the inconvenience. Miracles happen when you're late and the person stops you and you think, I'm late, I need to get going, and they stop you anyway. And the Holy Spirit says to you, pray for that person, and you go, but I'm running late. Yeah? It's in that moment, if you read Scripture, read the Gospels, that so often Jesus was stopped to the point where his disciples would get annoyed. Leave Jesus alone. Jesus needs to rest. Jesus needs to sleep. Jesus needs to, and whatever it was, (coughs) great intention. And if he would have listened to the disciples, a miracle for that person would not have taken place. God is in the inconvenience. He is in the unexpected. He's in that conversation that you didn't mean to have but found yourself in. He's in that that meeting that you randomly had with that person that you didn't want to have but you saw them anyway. And in that moment, God said, do this and you've done it and a miracle happened. It's in the moment where you can't afford to be generous, but the Holy Spirit prompts you to be generous. And it's in the inconvenience of of need and lack that you see a miracle take place. It's in the moment where you feel like, I can't speak to that person because I'm too fearful. What will they say? What if I fail? What if God doesn't move? And He prompts you and you speak out and a miracle takes place. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. This is literally something we have to be reminded of. Because God is not a God. He is not a cooker, cooker, a cookie cutter God. And what church does, church creates a cookie cutter God. Do you know that? We have our three songs, we have our welcomers. We have our offering, we have our word, we have our ministry, we have our fellowship and it's okay and God blesses that and He works through that but He's not limited by that because the breakthrough will often happen in the car park of inconvenience. (laughs) When you're running late for the service and someone stops you, 
Maybe get here a bit earlier so you're not late anyway. But anyway. <laughs> I'm telling you, the amount of times, and I feel like God does this on purpose, by the way. Yeah. I feel like he sets up miracles in your inconvenience to make sure you rely on him, not just on you and your schedule. Yeah? Have you noticed that? It's just like, some of the most powerful moments in my life have not come through cookie-cutter moments. They've come through unconventional means. Charlie, we, we call them angels. They're like angels here on earth. They're human, but they act like angels. They're angels for us, the people that we feel like God sends to us. And often they don't seem like Christians who show us the love of God in unexpected situations. So this morning, I want to encourage you that God is in the wait, he's in the inconvenience, he's in the frustration, he's in the unusual, (laughs) he's in the moments where you can't work it out, trusting God starts when our understanding stops. And And that's one of the ones I struggle with because I love the theory of that, but I hate the outworking of it. Anyone else like that? You have to trust God when you don't understand. That's what trust is. I can't work it out, but I trust you. So we come back to this element of waiting on God. Waiting on God is like it sounds like. It's actually stopping in in a moment and saying, I'm going to wait on you, God. Webster's defines it as this. Waiting on God is a state of attitude, of watchfulness and expectancy. A state of attitude of watchfulness and expectancy. Another uh, definition is to serve, hence the, wa- the, the word waiter. To serve. So you put that together, it's calmly serving and watching without complaint despite difficulties or delays. Yeah. Calmly serving and watching without complaint despite difficulties or delays. So as you wait on God, it's being in a place of expectancy because you're waiting on God, but in that, still being someone who serves. Be a waiter, be a waitress, be someone who serves. And by doing so, we wait well, because sometimes we think waiting means to do nothing. And sometimes it does mean to do nothing, but often it's actually a proactive posture. (laughs) And the proactivity in that is, if I wait, I'm trusting in God. Sorry, guys. Sorry, I'm going to mess up the notes a little bit, but I'm just going to jump to this. You've got to realise, and I've got to realise, that waiting is a form of worship. Do you know that? Have you ever been in a situation where a wave hits you in life a storm hits you in life and you don't know where to go or what to do. I remember when I was younger, I decided at one of our church baptisms at Colbara Lake, I don't know why we were there for, disgusting. <laughs> no offence to the Colbara people, but come on. There are much better places to baptise. And me and a friend of mine decided, let's chuck sand at each other from a distance and see what happens. And he had a good eye on this guy, and he chucked sand with a rock inside the sand. 
and it hit me right here, boom. And I remember seeing stars, like literally, like you see, oh, it's not just the cartoons, that actually happens. And then feeling blood start to gush down my face because this guy just had a terrific shot. <laughs> Lucky I was baptised, ready to go home, so that was all good. <laughs> and basically, it was just one of those moments where, why am I telling this story? I have a little think about this. That's a good story, yeah. That's a good story. Anyway, we'll get back to it. <laughs> anyway, long story short, my parents made me wear a helmet for a year. No, they didn't. They didn't really. It, that, that's not what happened. I was the helmet kid. No. Anyway, waiting is a form of worship. Isaiah 26, verse 8 says, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desires of our soul. O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. When you're waiting on God, you're becoming somebody who is worshipping the Lord because you're trusting in God. Hello. It's just my son crawling across the altar. Do you want to come up here? No? Okay. I could, sorry, I'm just getting distracted because I could just watch him all day. Maybe mama, yeah, mama, call, call him over. Good boy. So cute. In Exodus chapter 14, we see the story of the Israelites and they've escaped from Egypt and the Egyptians are coming after them. And Exodus 14, 13 says this. It says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you saw today will never see you again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. <laughs> You've got to be somebody, and I've got to be somebody who learns in the midst of the battle to stop and be still before the Lord. Yes. To inquire of God to take a moment to say, we're going to stop and, and still our hearts in the midst of the storms and Holy Spirit, we wait on you. Because naturally, waiting in the midst of storm is actually a very hard thing to do. Listen, you have adrenaline in your body for what? So you can fight or flight, they say. Things happen in life and your natural response is, I'm either going to fight and I'm going to go for it or I'm going to get out of here. But there's also moments in God's kingdom where God says, like, and we see it with the Israelites here, you don't need to fight back. You don't need to be fearful. Stop. Stop and wait and be still and I will fight for you. 
And that sounds great in theory, but it's very hard to do naturally. But there is so much power and there is so much blessing and there is so much breakthrough in the stillness of waiting on the Lord. Again, our generation is, we want this, want this, want this straight away, straight away, straight away. We need information straight away. We go on Google, we go on Facebook, we go on YouTube, whatever it might be. And we need to gather information. But sometimes God says, stop and wait and allow me to be God. I don't know who this is speaking to this morning, but I just pray if this is resonating in your spirit, let it resonate loudly. Stop and wait on Him because, because He is worthy to be waited on. <laughs> he is trustworthy. He is holy. He knows you're, where you're at. He goes before you. He surrounds you. Therefore, wait on the Lord. And in the waiting, don't allow your heart to get bitter. Don't allow your heart to be discouraged. Don't allow your heart to become twisted. But instead, allow your heart to be full of worship. Throughout Psalms, at the moment, I'm just going through Psalms in my quiet time. And every night I just read a different Psalm. And I just, I'm amazed to read the different types of Psalms and the different heart cries. And sometimes it's, God, where are you? And sometimes it's, God, you're overwhelming me. But whatever it might be, God is always still with the writer. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Worship the Lord. Imagine if you're in a relationship if I, with, with Charlie and I just talk, 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 talk. And then I left the room. I came back in the room, talk, 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 and then I put the TV on. But I, I menu, volume up, volume up. I can't hear you. I, I, I'm watching the TV now. Oh, by the way, talk, 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 talk. I've got to go cook dinner now. See ya. And the whole time she's trying to communicate, she's trying to talk. It's not till I wait that I get to hear what she has to say. And I wonder in life how often we live like this, not intentionally, but we do it by default, where we're busy, 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 but we don't stop and wait. I encourage every married couple here, make sure you pray together, but in that, make sure you wait on God together. I encourage every parent here at home, make sure that you pray together as a family and you take a moment to teach the kids, just take a moment to wait. Does God want to give you a scripture or a picture or does he want to say something to you or even if it's just an act of worship, let's just wait on the Lord for a moment. I tell you what, in a generation where the kids are always on their devices and always it will teach them an art where they learn to stop and just be still before God. And what does the scripture say, church? It says, be still and know that I am God. And I am fully convinced that until we learn to be still before Him, we will never truly know that He is God. (laughs) There is forms of intimacy, there's deepness with Him that only comes about by waiting on Him, by being still before Him. 
can I encourage especially the young people here, take moments where your phone is switched off, where your social media is switched off, and just have moments where you have silence before God. And that can be you sitting in a room or it could be you going for a walk. As long as you are letting your brain slow down and your thoughts slow down, because we have this thing, this is, this, this is an iPhone XS with cracks all in the front of it, you can't see. What a device to keep you distracted. Every time this is on me and every time I have coverage, I'm giving everyone permission who has my number to contact me whenever they want and take my attention above whatever I'm doing. That's way too much permission. Another thought is this, and it's the second point, Alan, if you want to bring it up, that God acts on behalf of those who wait. We just read it there, but it says in Isaiah 64.4, who acts for those who wait for him. He acts for those who wait for him. Now, here's a really cool thought. And for those who aren't here today and you know you need to hear this, just repeat what I've said to them or give them the tape or whatever because our church needs to get this. If you can be somebody who understands that every day of your life is building a testimony. So with our son, my wife, who's incredible, for the first 12 months of my son's life has written him a diary of his life. It's not every day. It started every day and then it went to every week. And now I think it's every month or every two months. It's petering out. My mum done it for me, which I'm thankful for. I have seven days worth of diary inputs. Thank you, mum. But I cherish those seven days because I wasn't, I don't have the memory to remember what I was like when I was three or four weeks old. So with Bear, my son, she writes, and especially milestones. This week you, you stood for the first time or, and then you fell over or this week you said mama or you know, at the moment he loves to dance, you put music on and he just sways back and forth, it's so cute. And it's just like you will learn and, and one day he might cherish it or not but we will cherish it. We will read that diary about his journey And I think in the midst of that, we have to understand, like, he is creating a story of his life. Do you know that you're creating your own story every day? And the the sad thing is, is that often you don't hear about some of the story of your life until it's too late. It's at your funeral that you hear how people impacted you. (laughs) You know, you hear the story of, oh, I didn't know that about that person. Someone could create a service where we do pre-funeral funerals, I don't know, where we actually did a funeral before so the person who died can hear all the nice things. There you go, Benny, there's a business idea for you. Right, business network coming up. (laughs) Pre-funeral funeral. The point I'm trying to make is this. You're writing a story every day. Do you know that? And your story is the book of your life, not your neighbours, not your mums, not your dads, not your kids. This is yours. This is your story. This is your question. How is the book looking? 
is it time to start a new chapter? <laughs> is it time for you to start, you know, part two to the book? You just leave the first half. Or maybe you're intentionally writing a story that in God's kingdom you'd be proud of. A story of testimony, a story of overcoming, a story of waiting on God, a story of waiting on God and in that Him working through you. Because a lot of our stories are going to be full of things that I did by myself. And God was in the background. But I encourage you, have stories that only He could do through and in your life. That was too big for me, so I said, God, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait in your presence. And then God did a miracle in the midst of my wait. God defeated the Egyptians for the Israelites in the midst of being still, even though naturally they wanted to run or fight. (laughs) And God did the miracle. Learn the art of waiting with expected hearts on God. God acts on behalf of those who wait. You know, waiting brings strength to us. Isaiah chapter 40, 31 says, Those who wait on the Lord will watch church, they will renew their strength. They will rise up like wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. If you want to have strength this morning, the key is in waiting. Years and years ago, I used to be the champ at cross country. My niece is here. She loves cross country. She's outside, though. She would have liked this part. As you can tell, I'm not the champ anymore. (laughs) I need to become the champ again. And when I say champ, I'm talking about me and my my class of 30 kids. (laughs) Okay, let's be honest. The 12 guys who are in my grade, I was a, I, well, I wasn't a, I was coming, I came second every year until one year. One year, I, I, one year I became the champ. <laughs> and you might have heard this story, but I, I, I was so eager that year to become the cross country champ of the 12 guys in my class and get that, get that blue ribbon or whatever colour it was. That as I was running, I hit a tree root and had a bit of a fall and tore up, I didn't realise at the time, the ligaments in my feet. But I wanted to win so badly that I ran one kilometre beyond that and I don't know if I tore up, I, I definitely ripped them. Obviously, if I tore them up, I couldn't run. But I did do damage down there because I was so desperate to win. Was it worth it? Yes, 100%. But if I stopped that race and said to myself, let's run again, stop the, stop the race, let's do it again. I would be the dumbest person in the world, probably. 
you've got to stop and rest. You've got to stop sometimes and get your strength back. You've got to stop sometimes and be wise and have a Sabbath. Whatever that looks like for you in our household, it looks like a Saturday at home where I get the paper, I get a fresh loaf of sourdough for my family, and we have a family day. And I'm reading the paper, and my son's there with his cheese on toast, and he's got, you know, normally it's the tab section or something, thinking he's reading the paper too. (laughs) Just copying his daddy, and he's just reading, and I'm reading, and Charlotte's doing the Sudoku. She get, yeah, she gets off her dad. They, they love the Sudokus. That's what rest is for us. It's, it's just powerful in the midst of a busy week. That's what we do. We guard that. We, people say, you want to come out on a Saturday? It's very rare because we have to value the power of our rest because we understand that rest and waiting equals strength it isn't more busyness equals strength it's waiting on God those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength so we have to carve out of our schedules moments of waiting on God is this okay this morning okay so waiting does a lot of things waiting also brings courage and it says in Psalm 27 13 I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord and let your heart take courage. Why does that happen when you wait? It happens because when you wait on God, you get to be reminded of who He is. And when you know who your Heavenly Father is, what does it do, church? It gives you courage. (laughs) It's in the midst of that waiting that you go, oh, that's right, you're faithful, you are bigger than my problem, you are worthy, and I don't understand it naturally, God, but I understand that you are worthy to be waited upon. Who here wants some more courage? I'll take some more courage. Well, here's the key, wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. In Psalm 37, 34, I love this, it says, Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you and you will inherit the land. When you wait on God, the promises of God start to be poured into your life. Who has promises they believe in God for? Well, wait. Remember, waiting isn't just being slobby, doing nothing. It's having an expected heart. It's waiting with expectation. It's serving, waiting upon in the midst of your waiting. It's understanding that waiting on God brings inheritance. So we wait on God with open hearts. We wait on God with worshipful hearts, expectant hearts. We take moments to let God just do what he wants to do. And Charlie and I, again, and I can only speak from my life, but we will often take times to wait on God. We will sit on the couch, we will just commit things to the Lord, and then we will wait on God. 
Because we want him to be given number one place. I, I don't want me to be number one. My natural man does. But my spirit man wants him to be number one. I don't want my son to be number one. My natural man does. He's definitely close to number one. But I want the Lord to be number one. So as we, like, as we conclude this morning, I encourage you with all my heart, church, this year is a year of pursuing God. It's our theme for the year. But it's such a weird thing that sometimes the greatest pursuing is found in the stopping. How cool is that? When you think pursuit, you think run, run, run. Or I do, run, you know, running after. You know, run the race marked out for you. Yes, do that. That's what we're called to do. But understand that there's got to be moments of just waiting. Moments of learning the art form. And I'll finish with this. I'm so challenged by this story of Jesus in the boat and the storm raging. And I'm so challenged by the fact that he was in the boat having a nana nap. Why it's called a nana nap, I don't really know. Maybe the nanas can tell me, I don't know. I enjoy a bit of a nana nap myself. And I've been on a cruise ship a few times and when there's swell on a huge cruise ship, you still feel it. You still have those moments of walking down you know, the hallway and seeing people kind of lose their, their, their footing and having a bit of a chuckle to yourself. Anyone done that before? Yeah? Especially if they've had too much to drink, it's kind of funny to watch. That is a huge cruise ship getting hit by four or five metre swell. You imagine being on a little 2,000 years ago fishing boat getting hit by huge swell. And Jesus is in the boat having a nap. And these fishermen who knew the storm well because they gave their life fishing in storms, they knew their boat well because they had lived their life on the boat, were terrified because they thought that the boat is not going to survive the waves. And if that boat doesn't survive, we don't survive. And Jesus is sleeping in the boat. <laughs> he had no concerns. No concerns. You've heard me say it many times. The same waves that terrified the disciples were the same waves that put Jesus to sleep. It was all about perception. It was all about trust. It was all about knowing who his father was. Why would Jesus be stressed about the waves when he knew he had a mission? He knew that God was going before him. It doesn't matter about the waves. It's such a challenge to me because I want to be someone who is in the boat and the waves are rocking me to sleep. But often I find myself on the deck of the ship looking at the huge swell thinking, my, my, my. I don't know how we're going to get through that one. 
And that is life for us today. And they wake Jesus up. And I love, I love Jesus' reaction. He's, he's, I think, he, I can't wait to be with Jesus in heaven. Like, just to, like, can I see a replay of that, Jesus? Like, <laughs> because he gets woken up and he gets grumpy. You know when you're in a really good sleep and you get woken up? Especially for no good reason. That's what happened. Jesus, you need to wake up. Why have you woken me up? The dream I was having, it was incredible and you woke me up? Yeah, Jesus, you gotta, we're gonna die. Like we're, this is, we are terrified to the point of death. This is, what? And then he gets annoyed, he says, where's your faith? And faith preachers use this as they abuse it sometimes and I'm not, but he was very matter of fact. Where's your faith? Yeah. Like, where is it? Yeah. Where's your faith? And then it says he, he, he speaks to the storm and, and he speaks and says, be still and the storm is still. And you've heard it said that if you can master the storm in here, you can master the storm out here. Yeah. <laughs> if you can master your internal storms, if you can... Find peace in the midst of your storms. A few weeks ago, I spoke on the compass of peace or the gift of peace. I encourage you, if you need peace, listen to it and put it on replay. To find peace in the midst. And it's so quiet sometimes and it's so, you can't, is that peace or is it me? And then deep, deep down, there is a knowing. There is a knowing that He is in control. And you go, the weight lifted off my shoulders. (laughs) And that's where you can relax. And that's where you can wait. Because if I know someone's turning up, I don't need to stress. They're on their way. It's when I don't know if they're going to turn up that I need to stress. And God is like that. He is never late. He is always on time, even if his time is different to your time. He knows his schedule. He knows what he needs to do. And he knows when he needs to do it. We have to clock in to his time. So we come before him and we say, Lord, we open our hearts. We open our minds. We repent of our doubt. Help us. And we say, Lord, we wait on you. We look to you. And if you can learn the art, and that's how I do it, just like that. If you can learn the art of that and you sense it here, game changer. Because everyone's freaking out around you and you're like, "Mm, it's all good. Everyone's freaking out, the storm's happening, everyone's got an opinion and you're like, it's all good. I love that story, Jesus. And so for you, church, my heart is this, that you will pursue God so deeply that you will learn the art of waiting on Him. That you would understand that sometimes in order to go forward, you have to stop. Yeah. 
and that you would take that gift and you would pass it on. And remember, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. And this is the last scripture. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends your understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That is a good verse to memorise. That's fun. Our kids' department needs to be getting into our kids. Why? Because it sets you up for the ultimate win. To be people who are led by peace. In Jesus' name. Why don't we close our eyes for a moment? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Let's just, let's just apply what we just were taught. Let's just take a moment to wait on the Lord. And what you're going to find right now often is this. As you stop and you wait, your mind will go to the shopping list. <laughs> it will go to your to-do list. It will go to that TV show later. It will go to what's for lunch. And it's just your natural brain because often we don't stop trying to process information that you haven't had a chance to process. That's why you dream at night. Your brain's trying to process information. But that's okay if those things come to your mind. Just let them come to your mind and go. And then just, just say in your heart, Lord, I wait on you. I wait on you. I honour you. And if there are situations that you need to inquire of him about, just commit them to him and say, Lord, I wait on you. Is there anything you want to say to me? And for those of you in the room who are fighting battles right now or facing battles, remember Exodus 14. Be still and know that I will fight for you if you are still. And I just declared that this morning for all those who are facing battles right now. And just as you have your eyes closed, church, I just want to give everybody here an opportunity. If you know that in your heart, that you don't have that supernatural Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus. You know that your heart is far from God. You know that He's not your number one. And for me, that's how I gauge these things. Is He my number one? And if not, it's time for me to make Him number one. You might have prayed that prayer in the past. You might have never prayed that prayer. But I want to give you a moment in this place. If you want to say, Beniah, I want to make sure that God is my number one, that Jesus Christ is my number one. I want to give him my heart and have my sins forgiven. I just want you to put your hand up where you are and say, that's me. That's me in this place. Awesome. I see that hand. Once it's up, you can put it down. Anybody else in this moment? This is the most important decision you'll ever make, by the way. It's the most So don't take it lightly in your heart. This is a moment, defining moment. If you know you have to get your heart right with God, 
Let's put your hand up where you are. Make him number one. Awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you, Lord. We're going to pray a prayer of just commitment. And those who put your hand up, we're going to join with you and pray this prayer. But just close your eyes. and just It's a prayer of just giving our hearts to God. It's a prayer of just inviting him into our lives. So why don't we pray this prayer together? Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. And this morning, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to be my Lord and Saviour. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of all my wrongdoings. Cleanse me and give me a new start. I make you number one. And Holy Spirit, I give you permission to help me every day to grow in my faith with the Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.